Welcome to Call to War video briefing number 14. This is the first video briefing after the conclusion of our week of spiritual warfare. According to our best estimates from our uh, analytics, we believe that in excess of 2,000 different churches participated at any one point throughout that entire week. Uh, of spiritual warfare. For this, we give great glory to God. We've received many, many testimonies of uh, physical healings of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and of several miracles of financial supply. We give thanks to all of this. But this is a very important time. I had wondered what the Lord was going to have me do after the week of warfare and was feeling like that, <clears throat> that I really needed to continue doing the video briefings. And I've had several, several people say to me, please continue because we feel like we need this direction in this teaching. And so uh, by the grace of God, that's exactly what I will attempt to do. So <clears throat> this briefing is so very, very important because if we don't sustain and continue to participate as the Lord leads in what we uh, were involved in throughout the week of spiritual warfare, not, not only, excuse the double negative, but not only will we not receive the things that he has promised and the blessings and benefits that, have, that are provided by spiritual warfare, but we will also go backwards uh, at the very least, uh, go backwards at the worst, uh, tragic things could happen. The adversary is no one to play around with. We're not devil chasers. We're not involved in spiritual warfare out of ego. We are involved in it because it's the calling of God. It's what God told us to do. As you've heard me quote many times, and many others have quoted many other times also, Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, But thou art Peter, Jesus said, But thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So at the very first mention of the word church anywhere in the Bible, we have Jesus telling us that the church and hell, the powers of hell, we're going to be in conflict. Notice the words there of gate is gates, plural, implying there are many gates and many conflicts and many battles, all for the purpose of setting the captives free. There's a verse that uh, Paul shared with Timothy, his uh, son in the gospel, and for time's sake, I'm only going to read that one single verse, even though it is technically taking it out of context. But I'm sure as you uh, you read this, and hopefully you will read the context, you'll see the significance. Paul references to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12 that he was fighting a good fight of faith. He called it a fight, conflict, warfare. He's not talking about a boxing match where you're you're simply... Uh, beating at your opponent, but you're, there's no, nothing at stake except the glory of winning the match. But this is a fight. In fact, Paul said in 2 Timothy, as he was saying farewell to Timothy before his martyrdom, 
He said, I have fought, past tense, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished my course or finished my race. So uh, I just want to look for just a moment at the word fight. According to uh, uh, Strong's, the word fight here means to struggle literally to contend with an adversary. Uh, it, it also, according to the Thayer's means, to, uh, to fight, to contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers, uh, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, strive to obtain something, to contend with adversaries. And uh, Paul said he, he fought with beasts at Ephesus. I don't believe those beasts were humans. I believe they were supernatural beings. And he lets us know in the book of Ephesus that he didn't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits in the atmosphere. Just for one moment, the uh, the parsing of the Greek word fight, uh, according to the complete word study dictionary, is that that word is in the present imperative active tense. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you, not because I'm a Greek scholar, but I can read what Greek scholars say, because it's really important to understand Paul's intent with what he was saying to Timothy, and therefore to us, fight the good fight of faith. According to the Complete Word Study Dictionary, the present imperative in the active voice indicates a command to do something in the future which involves continuous or repeated action. This is what the Holy Ghost is telling those who have been involved in spiritual warfare. Those who may participate in the future by watching and praying along with these powerful prayer sessions that we had the privilege to participate in. The Lord will be calling them also to fight the good fight of faith. There were, there was no indication in advance of the seven sessions of warfare that I would be doing any kind of teaching or instruction. In fact, I fully expected that I would not. And yet, at the beginning of session six and the beginning of session seven, there were things that the Holy Ghost said in the flow of the Spirit ministry, many of which I had never said before. He had never said them through me before. But as I heard them and as I have listened to them after the fact, I see and feel how absolutely critical these things are for those who are truly going to continue in the fight. And so therefore, instead of me sitting here and trying to duplicate that uh, flow of anointing and revelation, uh, I'm simply doing this as a introduction. The remainder of this uh, Call of War briefing is going to be taking excerpts out of session six and session seven. The, the, the one out of section six is over an hour long. The one out of section, uh, or session seven is only a little over half an hour. So you can watch as you can. These sessions will also be available on audio only, only as a podcast, podcast. But I am encouraging you, please, 
to listen carefully to the things the Spirit of the Lord was saying to us. I assure you, those things were not preplanned, and God said them because He wanted them said, and we need to hear them for our benefit as we continue in this warfare until the day He takes us out of here. So now, we will go to Session 6, in Jesus' name. Um, there's some of the places we need to go tonight. I, I absolutely have to know in my mind and spirit that, and I feel like, believe this is the Lord, that you understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. I am so opposed to the sensationalism that many, many people in the church today are enamored with. We are into this sensational. And uh, we are so... We have so blindly substituted entertainment for worship. I use notes, willing to use notes, but a scripted message that's read. God have mercy. I, I sure like somebody to show me that anywhere in the Bible. Why do we do those things? Because we are, we want to be in control. We don't want to trust God. We don't. We don't want to trust God. We want to know where he's going and what he's going to do. And so we've got to have that. And so. Uh, when you. Learn to follow the spirit and you flow in the spirit. Then you hear accusations like, well, this is disorganized and ineffective I say that in glory to God does anybody feel like you wasted any time here this week no but it was God directed honestly before the Lord I didn't know I didn't know so a couple of things if you let me take care of three very important points really quick and then I'm going to talk and then we're going to go places tonight this is Friday night it is the sixth night of seven nights of warfare I know the calendar said 24 to 29 but we started on Sunday night because all those of the eastern time zone who was going to start at 7 p.m. on their time on Monday, the earliest was 17 hours ahead of us. So that meant that people would be praying on Monday at 1 a, or 2 a.m., 7 p.m. their time. And that meant we'd lose a whole, they'd lose a whole day. So we started on Sunday. Some have asked if they could access this, the nights they missed 
on Monday and next week. Everything we've done, including all the briefings, are available either through the website apostoliciron.com or we have a YouTube channel, Apostolic Iron, that you can subscribe to, but you don't have to do that. It's all available on there. You're welcome to watch that. These, listen carefully now. Whether you're in the building or you're listening through live stream or recording or whatever. These seven sessions will never be posted for public access. They will be posted only on apostoliciron.com for one week through Sunday night of next week. Why? Because the scripture says the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. And I refuse to let these prayer sessions be any more public than they've been. And let the world have a big har-har over it. Not happening. Fear has nothing to do with fear. So... After Friday night of next week, we will be posting a way where you can, or your pastor can, or whoever. We've never done anything like this before, may never do it again, but you will have to come to a place on Apostolic Iron. You'll have to give us your name, the church you're from, your pastor's name, and an email. And when you send that to us, we will send you a time-stamped link to one session at a time. And that link will expire in whatever length of time it is we're giving you. We're not going to limit the number of times or the number of sessions that a person can sign into. But every time you sign in... Every time you want to watch one of those, you'll have to sign in with your name, church's name, pastor's name, and an email address. Well, I'm not willing to do that. Good. Good. Because it's going to be difficult enough that hopefully the curious say, well, that's too much trouble. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, in addition to that, there will be a call to war briefing number 14. It will be available a week from tomorrow at 10 a.m. Why is that critical? Because I'm going to talk about that just a hair, just a little bit right now. And I'll mention it again tomorrow night. If you leave here or quit your prayer chain wherever you are, and you turn this off, and you go back to your norm, you are not going to like what happens. You're not going to like it. <laughs> I taught 13 briefings, probably a total of somewhere close to 20 hours, trying to get people to understand the seriousness of this. This is not some little cute thing we're doing. Okay? 
as a kid growing up in Pentecost. Oh, don't stir up the devil. Well, if you're not serious about it, you don't ever confront him. If you're serious and you stay on the offensive, you're fine. But if you leave here and you go off the offensive and you go back to being on the defensive, you blame that on me if you won't, blame it on God if you won't, but it's on your head. I don't mean that unkindly. I'm trying to get your attention here. The Lord is trying to change the culture and the mindset of the church. Yeah, the church is a body. Yes, it's a bride. Yes. Jesus was the lion and the lamb. We want the lamb. We don't want to think about the lion. He's the high priest and the sacrifice. We won't think about the high priest. We don't want to think about the sacrifice. We are the bride. We are sons of God. We are the body of Christ. But we're also an army. And every time you see the phrase Lord of hosts in the Bible, the Hebrew word for hosts is armies. That is a military term. The Bible says our God is a man of war. He teacheth my hands to war. The man after God's own heart said, he teacheth my hand to war. The first battle recorded in the Bible, the general of that battle was a guy you might know named Abraham. The father of all believers led the first recorded battle. And it was for the purpose of recovering captives. Because Lot and his family were among those that were taken captive by armies from Sodom. And Abraham armed his servants that he had trained. And his servants and household became an army. And they pursued the enemy that had captured made captives out of Abraham's relatives. And they fought and defeated them, and they delivered the captives. That was the purpose of the first battle recorded in the Bible. And that established the pattern. But we are a religious bunch. Whose focus is having church and completing the activities on a church calendar. And we believe that's ministry. We got all kind of stuff we do for all kind of people. You get those people involved with the lost, you won't have to spend so much time petting and pampering and changing their diaper and burping them. Get them involved with the lost. You won't have to have all these ministries that consume time. All this church calendar stuff. What does that have to do with the Great Commission? I'll tell you what, I believe in shepherds. But what we think a shepherd is, there's not many. You go back and study what a shepherd is. A shepherd was not only someone that tended their sheep. He was the chief one leading the battle against all the prey on the flock.
So if the shepherd's not praying and fighting for the sheep in the spirit, he is a... Oh, God have mercy. He is a false shepherd. He is a fake. He is a hireling collecting a paycheck. Because the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And that's not in one long string of counseling sessions and sitting in hospital waiting rooms, petting and pamper people, and sitting in, in visitation rooms at funerals. He's fighting in the spirit for his sheep. That's what a shepherd does. So you can't say a shepherd, a shepherd is not just a maintenance role. It's not just keeping the flock. He's on, on the front lines, constantly looking for prey. You know how David learned to defeat Goliath? In the battles he fought with the prey against his sheep. He was known, look it up, it's in there. He was known as a mighty man, as a boy. Because you think he defeated a lion and a bear? And nobody knew about that? Read the book. Long before he ever fought Goliath, he had a reputation for being a mighty man. And when he went out against Goliath, he appealed to his experience as a warring shepherd as the reason why he did not need Saul's armor. He took the weapons he proved as a shepherd. It was a shepherd's weapons that defeated Goliath. Don't give me this stuff when I'm a shepherd. I'm not all into that. If you're not all into that, you're not a shepherd. You're a fake and you're lying to yourself. You think, that's pretty strong, brother, right? Ask my wife, she'll tell you. That ain't strong at all. That's just about as calm as I can say that. I'm not kind of, I'm not being facetious. I'm not. I'm not. So we've done this at God's direction. He's empowered us to do it. He organized it. He moved people all over the place. He stirred up people with influence to say, this is God. And I'm going to lend my weight to this and make this happen. Sister Flo Shaw has been here all week. She backed this. She's communicated with all the people on World Network of Prayer to be a part of this. God only knows how many of them have been involved. This wasn't me. This was him. People recognized this was him. That's why we don't have any idea how many thousands of churches have participated in prayer this week. But I beg of you, I beg of you, a war is made up of battles. You can lose a battle and still win a war. And even victors 
have casualties. And a cash, the, the, the term, military term casualty isn't just those that are killed in battle, but those who are wounded and live. And so after the battle's over with, we do our little dance of victory, but it's time to begin to minister to the wounded and make sure those who participated but got wounded get healed. But in the book, when God gave Israel victory in a battle, and they rejoiced over the battle and went home, every man to his own tent, and did not pursue the enemy that was now on the run, you can look it up for yourself. The Lord was very angry with Israel. He, Elijah, I think it was Elijah. Like maybe it was Elijah. I don't remember. In his dying days, had the king come over. And he gave the king a promise that God was going to consume the enemies of Israel. He said to the king, take bow and arrow. And when he had it all ready to go, the king put his hands on the, Elijah, I believe it was. Put his, was it Elijah Elijah? Somebody help me. Elisha, thank you. Put his hands on the, the, the king's hands on the bow. And he shot the arrow. And God said, I'm going to consume your enemy. But then he said to the king, take these arrows, smite the ground. And this king smote the ground once, twice, three times. And the prophet got angry. Oh, we can't, we, we can't handle angry prophets in this day. No. Let me tell you what's wrong with the church. We don't have enough angry prophets. We want to go to meetings where we're preached to our feet. Nobody wants to be preached to their face anymore. When I was growing up, that's the meeting you wanted to go to. You wanted to go someplace where they got, they preached you to your face. It made you want to stay there a while. Not today. Not today, buddy. We want to have meetings where people are preached to their feet because that's where you get a crowd so you can pay your bills. Maybe you have a little extra over you can put in the pot. Little left leftover extra income because it was such a good crowd. They, the prophet got angry. He said, "Uh, oh, you should have smitten the t- the ground at least five or six times, but because you've done it three times only." You know that promise you just got that God was going to consume your enemies? He's just changing that word because of you. He's going to now smite your enemies just three times. But there's a whole bunch of them going to live. And they're going to be your plague. I'm paraphrasing now. So when you don't pursue and eliminate the enemy...
the victory becomes a curse. Because now, you'd have been better off just becoming their servants. They'd have let you live. Prisoners of war haven't changed sides. They still wear the uniform of the country they fought for. But now the enemy's the one that feeds them and houses them. Yeah. So you could just wave a flag of peace and live. And hopefully the devil can save you. Because if you're going to play around with fighting, you're not going to like the outcome. That's enough of that. Call the war brief number 14. You will hear more of that. Next Saturday, week from tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Okay. Now, one more thing here. This was really important. This brother's going to be shocked. I'm not naming his name. I'm reading his email. Said, is there any way you could get a question to Bishop be answered at his earliest convenience? Is this convenient enough? <laughs> I've never been taught to bind specific demons or spirits and send them to the pit. Usually, I never heard this before in my life. Usually, it is bind them and destroy their weapons. Sometimes, send them back where they came from. Okay, leave us alone. You can go torment some other part of the body of Christ. Just leave us alone, right? Now, I, I'm not faulting him, but whoever taught him that, God have mercy. Or just bind them in chains, which I've heard needs to be repeated. Get this. He, this, this sincere brother was taught that you bind them in chains and that needs to be repeated every 24 to 72 hours. Cause God's chains are so weak. The devil is, he's so big and bad. He may break out of those chains. This man is sincere here. He's asking this question. He said, I have some understanding and it totally makes sense to me sending them to the pit. When that happened, I felt as if we were taking POWs and locking them in the pit. Bishop said, we have to keep taking from the enemy resources until they get tired, fed up enough to leave us alone. I felt that we were doing just that by taking prisoners of war. So, question number one. Is it only specific times that God directs for that to be done? Or should we be practicing that regularly to keep depleting and keeping our foot on his neck? It is, is it recommended? If so, to do it with a group of 12, <laughs> he was really paying attention. I didn't even realize till I read this, there was 12 men around here last night. I was just obeying God. Let's do this one. I didn't, I never even counted. And I was looking for Brother Shelton, and I realized he wasn't there. I didn't count. Oh, there's only 11 here. Oh, there's Brother Gideon. I didn't know he made number 12. I was just following the Spirit. (laughs) I didn't know. Okay? Should, uh, if, if so, to do it with a group of 12 as he directed night, or can one do it any time under the authority and flow of the Father? Question two. If we bound the spirit of a city, a region, a county, and there are no believers in the area, do we ask God to loose angels to fortify the area until the outpost, home group, etc., can be established? This is only, this is only in the case of binding a spirit of an area. I understand we bind specific spirits and loose opposites in their, into their place. 
curious to know what to do if we, if you really need, don't know what the specific controlling spirit was, but if it was bound tonight, how do we hold the area from seven more coming and taking its place? Now there's a couple of you sitting here right now. I thought we came to pray. I am making note of who you are right now. We're going to see how much you pray when it's time to pray. Now, <laughs> a couple of things real quickly, and I'm going to try not to use read scripture because if I get into that, I'm going to get bogged down. Because <clears throat> we'll take the whole three hours, and I won't even realize I've done it, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray the covering of the authority of God as entrusted to me over every preacher and their family who is knowingly or unknowingly submitted to this authority and relationship. Speak the word of authority over every preacher in their family who is submitted to this authority for the duration of this call to war, this prayer week of warfare. Speak the word of authority over every church and ministry these preachers are responsible to God for. Speak the word of authority for over every over saint, every saint and their family that are a part of these churches and ministries and under these preachers and their authority. I command that the authority of God cover us and protect us. provide our needs for the kingdom in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I speak grace mercy and peace from the Father even our Lord Jesus Christ upon us I command that this grace be multiplied this peace be multiplied in Jesus name Father by your grace we are dead and our lives are hid in Christ and God. You are, you are our refuge. You are our covert. You are our armor. And by your grace, we put it on right now. The breastplate of righteousness. The girdle of truth. The shoes that represent our peace, your peace in us. The shield of our trust in you, Father. The helmet of our hope and confidence in our salvation. We take up the sword of the Spirit. We receive the spirit of perverse, persevering, prevailing prayer in the Spirit and by the Spirit. That we may pray, first of all, for all saints. And that we might pray for the lost of this world. We receive the spirit of utterance that we might speak the word of boldness, first of all in prayer, and second of all in the, in the occasions where we're witnessing or teaching or preaching the word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your apostle said for us to follow him as 
He followed you. And you commanded him on the road to Damascus. We receive it now. Your empowerment and call that precedes that empowerment. To to open the the eyes of the blind of the lost of this world. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they might receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among the saints. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now. (laughs) For a few moments. If I could please. The first principality we're going to pray against here in just a few minutes is the prince of religious tradition, and not just any prince of religious tradition. In March of 1987, Brother Urshan, Nathaniel Urshan, called Brother Cisco and I into his office, called Brother Cisco and me into his office. And talked to us about working with him. He was had an effort he called Global Conquest. At that time, we ended up having to change it to Global Vision because Global Conquest is not something foreign missions could promote in many nations. <laughs> so he asked Brother Cisco and I to... Uh, be his personal representatives in trying to get this this um, effort working. I had people tell me, "Oh, this is this is just political." Brother Ursh is just playing politics. I said, "You know what? If this is political, then Nathaniel Urshan is the stupidest politician you ever seen in your life, because no politician picks me." To represent them in something political. Because I'm a politician's worst nightmare. And if you know Brother Nathaniel Urshan and A. Urshan, he was a lot of things, but he was far from stupid. That man knew men as much as anybody I know. He knew men. Why he picked us, he never said. But we looked at each other and said, what do we do now? And so we asked if we could, if I, if, if I could fly to Chicago and Cisco at the time was in Wisconsin, if we could, he could drive down and we were going to rent a hotel room in a, the airport, Chicago airport, uh, one of the hotels there. We were going to pray all day together. Just see what God said. What, what do you want us to do? He said, oh, by all means, please do that. So the next month, I flew to Chicago. Brother Cisco picked me up. We drove to one of the airport hotels, got a room, started praying. We'd been praying about four hours. And something showed up in that room, and it wasn't of God. And let me tell you what. That was no puny peon of a devil. So needless to say, we became very inspired to pray 
even more. And he resisted. We prayed. He resisted. And then finally, we commanded him to identify himself. And he said to us, not me, not Brother Cisco, to us. We both heard it. I am the prince of religious tradition. And I have the apostolic church bound and blinded. And you will not defeat me. Well, after a little while longer, he left. I wish I could tell you he left because we made him leave. But I have no assurance of that. We prayed longer sometime that evening. We agreed that if we didn't begin to get the body praying like it had never prayed before, we were wasting our time and Brother Urchin's money. So we began to pray, teach and promote early morning prayer. And we had meetings for early morning prayer. We did a lot of spiritual warfare, even though at that time, there was a lot of folks thought that was the most hilarious thing they ever heard in their life. I'm talking about apostolics. And I will tell you this, in about 10 years or so of the effort of Global Vision, there was a lot of progress made. But I said it then, and I'm going to say it now, but Cisco agrees with me. We never, ever got true victory over that prince of religious tradition. Who is still, even though he doesn't have the same strength he had, he doesn't have the same influence he had, he doesn't have his tentacles are not quite as deeply embedded in areas that they used to be. Now, in case you think I'm being negative against the UPCI, I am happily serving as the district superintendent of Maryland, D.C. District. I am, I love my brethren. I love this brotherhood. I'm not being negative. I'm not being negative. I love this body of believers. I love the apostolic movement. I'm just telling you the way it is. Tell you how it is. That's going to be the first principality we're coming against here in a few minutes. You say, you're warning him. Wouldn't make any difference. There's no surprise attack on him. He has a network of informants embedded in the apostolic movement that would that would make any country totally envious of his spy network. He's got agents representing themselves as saints. Some representing themselves as preachers. (laughs) So, oh Lord.
Lord have mercy. This is not what I wanted to do tonight, or was hoping to do, but here we go. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of demonstration, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I don't know. I guess I've looked at it before, but for the first, for, I don't, I've looked at it for the first time that I can remember today. The word demonstration there in the Greek literally means manifestation. And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in manifestation of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. There is so much worldly wisdom that's being used to grow crowds in the church of the living God today. That it has indoctrinated and infected people to where they cannot receive spiritual wisdom. Why? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For that had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God, but God, hath revealed them unto us. Who's the us? Not the natural man, the spiritual man. Not the, nat- not the, 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 nat- the uh, naturally minded or carnally minded, but the spiritually minded. But God hath revealed him unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And I'm going to put a caveat in there. Unless their opinions of you matter more to you than God's opinion of you. Now you're judged of man and neutralized and ineffective. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And it was that very Christ that said, Upon this rock I will build my church. The law of first mention, the first time the word church is found anywhere in the Bible. Upon this rock I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. And the gates of hell, plural, gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Unto thee I give the keys of, of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth, if you're going to do this, yeah, thank you, please. And I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I'm asking you not as a condemnation, but as an inquiry. In your heart of hearts, in the most objective and honest part of your mind. Can we honestly say that the focus of the church today as a whole, or even the great majority of the church today, is focused on any part of those verses? Not really. We're trying to build a church which proves we don't believe he's a church builder. We're doing it for him. Which proves we don't believe he's the church builder. And we're sure not doing spiritual warfare, which believes we don't believe there's even gates of hell that are opposing us. And there are so many people, I've heard preachers in the pulpit mock the keys of the kingdom. And people laugh and clap when they mocked them. And I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm not talking about out there in, in some other faith. I'm talking about in apostolic meetings. And we're really doing that? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ... If anything has happened in this world this week, I pray that these two verses become the number one focus of every true man of God and every true church of the living God. Wherever they in the world, I don't care what, what the name on the door is, what part of the church body or organization they're a part of, but that the church of the living God would finally make the word of God their priority rather than their religious practices. We have prayer meetings that accomplish nothing so much of the time because there's no focus on the purpose that he gave us. He declared the war in the garden. He told the serpent, 
your seed is going to bruise the woman's seed's heel. But her seed is going to bruise your seed's head. War, this war, this conflict was declared in the garden from the time that man was kicked out of the garden. And it was reaffirmed in the prophecy of the coming church that was born. And what have we been doing? Having a good church. We spend more time on choir practice than we do in intercessory war times. If we did a whole lot more intercessory prayer and spiritual warfare, most pastors' counseling schedules would almost dry up. You can't counsel fear and depression out of a child child of God's lives. Tranquilizers and sleeping aids and prescription medication. There's so many apostolics addicted to that stuff. Because we're so under that. Because we're not standing up with the authority we were given to use. He said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, he said it. You can't spoil the strong man's house if you don't first bind the strong man. And Luke, he was even more specific. And I'm not quoting exactly, but strong man... Armed keepeth his palace till a stronger one comes along, binds a strong man, spoils his goods, etc., etc. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, be a, let it wherever word be established. Is there any connection between strongholds and every stronghold or fortress has a gate, and the strong man of that fortress with that gate? And Jesus said three times, you can't go into a city and build a church and have revival and ignore the fortress of the spiritual fortress of this city and the strong men over this city. When we go someplace where there's no truth preached, we're an invading army. Do you know how many Americans and Canadians and allies died on the beaches of France in one day just trying to defeat fortress Europe. That's what the that's what the Axis powers called Europe. Fortress Europe. We had to defeat the fortress to liberate the captives of Europe. And some of us have relatives that died on those beaches. And others we have relatives that were that were wounded on those beaches. And others have relatives that fought. In that war in Europe. And we don't think. We think we can go into a territory. And establish a beachhead. Called a church plant. Isn't that so sweet? We're going to plant a church. Lord what are these tares doing in your crop? An enemy did this. So there's no enemy opposing this church plant. 
I know, I know it sounds, I, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, Father. I am not sorry. Because it is not my frustration you're hearing. If you got nail scars, if your face is not recognizable because of how long and hard it was beaten, and if you don't believe that, read Isaiah 52 where it says his visage, his face, was marred more than any man. Why do you think those closest to him didn't even recognize him outside the tomb? And he went to all that effort to save lost mankind. And our priority is playing church and practicing religion. Put put on the screen for me, please. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse three. I, I, this is flesh talking. I hope I'm done. <laughs> I hope I am. I hope he's done. Excuse me. For though, <laughs> probably isn't. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You can't preach intellectually created and human talent delivered sermons and save the lost. You can't sing people out of hell. I know there was one time in the Bible... When the Lord sent out singers and worshipers before the army. And God set ambushments and defeated an army. One time. But let me tell you something. My worship to God is not warfare. And you can't praise and worship people out of hell. Do I believe it? Of course I believe in it. He's worthy of all the praise and worship. But it's not warfare. And it's not kingdom praying either. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of... A stronghold is a fortress... A fort, a castle, a walled city. You put up walls to defend what you're trying to protect. Slight problem. The walls that keep the enemy out keep you trapped. So in order to not be bound by your own walls of protection, you've got to build gates in those walls. But because the gate is the weakest part of your defense... The defenders of the fortress would most heavily fortify the gate area with troops. You didn't put near as many troops on the surrounding walls and parapets. You put them at the gate. And because that was the case, the gates became, came to represent the, the, the authorities governing that city. So when he said, And the gates of hell should not prevail. 
You can't liberate those that are captive inside that fortress, that stronghold, until you defeat the the power that's defending the gates. Next verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, I'm trying to, okay. You, you, all, you wouldn't be here if you didn't know these verses, but I'm using them anyway. Ready? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Next verse. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the strategies, the strategiums of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means there's no human being that's our enemy. That's why we're commanded by our Savior to love our enemies. That's why he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because first, the verses I read, 1 Corinthians 2 says, it was the princes of this world, and he wasn't talking about natural princes, that crucified the Lord of glory. Because if they had known, they would not have crucified him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. No, stay there. This is, I think, my last verse. But I'm going to use this verse to just very briefly, I got this in other documents much more expanded, but this one, just want to cover it so you understand what we're doing and help the brother who had questions understand what's what's going on. There's a difference between principalities and powers. And notice, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places, and the Greek there is in this atmosphere. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter three, 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, let's first of all talk about the word power. That's the Greek word exousia, which is the word for authorities. This is a direct reference to those spiritual authorities that rule over governmental boundary lines. When we came to town, there was a prince of Annapolis, and on a county uh, county seat was in Annapolis, so there was a prince of Anaconda County. Annapolis is the state capital of Maryland, so there was a prince of Maryland, all resident and operating from the city of Annapolis. There's also federal government there because the Primary institution training the uh, naval officers of the Navy. And, and I, I know we're an army. I know we're an army. I praise God, we're an army. But, it, but in the Bible, bodies of water were frequently boundary lines between authorities. Between kingdoms, whatever. 
And whoever controls the seas is the most powerful nation. So the people that will grow up to command the ships and the squadrons and the submarines and all that are trained just two miles from here. So that power was there. Principalities. I'm not a Greek scholar, so I can't pronounce the names. It's RK, which is mean the superior beings. These are principalities. These are rulers over things that cross all authority lines of government. For instance, there is an arche, a principality of religious tradition. The Prince of Maryland has authority in Maryland, but does only has influence outside of Maryland. Doesn't have the right. The Prince of America has authority in America, but he does he only has influence for the most part outside of our borders. This is not saying that governments are evil. Not saying that. I'm simply saying that there is a shadow kingdom, supernatural kingdom, that endures all changes of governments. That's why, for the most part, in my lifetime, it really hadn't mattered who what party the president was in, it all seems to basically be the same. I wonder why. Now, from my study, rulers of darkness are those who are sub-commanders under principalities and powers. And the spiritual wickedness in the atmosphere, in the air, those are the soldier demons. I've heard them scream when they left. Because they're so big and bad. Right? Bottom line is, if you, if you smite the head, everybody else scatters. That's why the devil attacks preachers, pastors. Smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Well, that principle works in the kingdom of darkness. Oh, yeah. So there are... Every culture, religion... System. The Greek word for world, one of the primary Greek words for world, the one most frequently translated world, is cosmos, which speaks of this world system. Satan is the god of this cosmos. The other word is, primary word is eon, which is age, which really speaks of the spirit of the age or the culture of the age. That's why we don't follow the fads and fashions of this world. Neither the cosmos or the eon. Age. The system or the spirit. 
There are principalities and powers who rule over the system. And there are spirits who are involved in the age. For instance, the culture of drug use, alcoholism. The adversary doesn't have to allocate a principality for that. The rulers of darkness and wicked spirits. Flesh is so willing to participate in that. That's what he does. All this rampant obsession with sex and looking sexy and acting sexy. It's not principalities for that. It's rulers of darkness. Let me tell you how that works. Man can, man or woman can be in a bar with their back turned to the door. And somebody can walk in that door. And their spirit of lust, not flesh, spirit of lust that is there on the prowl will connect to that person's spirit of lust before they ever even are physically aware the other person is the room, in the, is in the room. And the hookup will be made in the spirit before they're ever even aware physically of the other person in the room. And that is so rampant, it's become culture in our world today. It's what you do for entertainment and recreation. You go out to the, you out on the prowl, trolling, whatever else they, it's called. You, and they don't even realize. They go out and have their spirit see what other spirit they connect with. And they go home or go someplace and engage in all kind of sexual activity and think it's the two of them. There are two types of sexual spirits, especially incubus and succubus. One of them's primarily of female leanings and the other's primarily of male leanings and Nobody's ever told them that you, you can't call yourself female and male anymore. Nobody's told them that. They're not worried about what the, the psychology teacher in college says, that there's no more gender anymore, because they know which one they are. Yeah. And so they connect. And there's some people so wholly given over to that. They can't, they can't make it at all. That, that spirit won't let them wake, make it a whole week. They gotta find somebody. They gotta find some other spirit to connect with. And let those two spirits so deeply entrench themselves in them. And we don't even deal with that anymore. People with tormented minds. We try to get them to repent. Hear me right now. You can't repent a devil out, and you can't cast a sin out. You can't get rid of sin except by repentance, and you can't get rid of spirits that are tormenting people except by casting them out. And even a child of God 
They don't have to be possessed to be tormented by a spirit. And you've got to take authority over that spirit and set that person free from that torment. Well, you Holy Ghost filled person can't be possessed. No, they can't. No argument. But anybody who says a Holy Ghost filled person can't be attacked and tormented by a devil. I know what planet they're living on. But they're smoking the whatever that the world's feeding you to smoke. It's not true. We have people come in our services. And they come oppressed and they leave oppressed. They come tormented, they leave tormented. They come depressed, they leave depressed. You can't sing that out of them. You can't preach that out of them. Somebody's got to have discerning of spirits. And minister to that person. Oh, Jesus. The most powerful spirits in this world are not spirits like the Prince of America or the Prince of England or the Prince of France or Germany or India, China, Russia. Nah. No. The most powerful principalities in this world are the ones that exercise their Authority and influence. Totally irrelevant. Of governmental boundaries. And if you think. This world's financial system. Is not overseen by. And powered by. Demonic power. I just really like to know what Bible you're reading. God is willing and able to supply his people with his resources. But if you trust the adversary, oh, the devil will make a deal with you. He'll bless you. He'll let you have plenty of this world's goods. It's just going to cost you your soul. I'd rather be a pauper and be free. Now, I know of three financial major, not at liberty, people's contributions are confidential. I knew of three major financial miracles that have happened just in the last couple of days. Major financial miracles in churches. Last couple of days. The Lord is ready to pry his resources. The Bible says God's going to give us the treasures of darkness. Why? Because they were his treasures before darkness ever overtook them. And we are liberating. When you, when you bind the strong man and destroy the gates of his stronghold, what do you spoil? His goods. 
That's not only souls that we're liberating by the power of God and His authority. It is resources that are being set free. Now, the other night we prayed for different cities and then we prayed for different countries and whatever. Tonight, here in this last two hours or so, and I'm not prepared to say that tomorrow night's going to be more of the same, but it wouldn't sh- surprise me at all if it was. We're going to bind together and come against specific principalities. The prayer the Lord gave as the focus of this week was a prayer for the liberation of his people from those things that bind them, rule them, and hinder them from being the conduit of his manifestation to the world through them. Now, we're going to pray a few minutes the Lord will give direction exactly how he wants to do this. We're not going to have, in answer to the brother's question, we're not going to have 12 men come up. Hear me carefully, please. Do not become a proponent of methodology. Somebody said, what's going, what's going to happen next year call to war? I'll know when he tells me. But I'm going to tell you one thing. We are not repeating this next year just because of this year. That's the number one of the main mistakes spiritual apostolics make. You do something that works, you automatically want to keep doing that. And eventually, you you replace God with the method. That's how brazen serpent came to be having incense burned to it a couple of thousand years after it delivered people one time. Whatever happens from this point forward, it's not going to be repeated. And if you watched any of the five called to war, there wasn't any two up close to the same. So, oh, you know, last service we sang such and such a song. And the house came down. Let's sing that song again. So what happened is the song did it? Or did God respond to people that were leading that heard direction from the Lord on the song to sing? And that unified people in the will of God. And God blessed people doing the will of God. And the next time you sing that song, thinking the same thing's going to happen because you're singing that song, you just stepped out of the will of God into the flesh. And now God is the adversary of that song. The only thing that should be repeated in our lives are the things the Lord specifically specified we should do And when we should do them, for instance, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that word first means in order of time and priority. That means 
Your day is supposed to start with kingdom praying. Every day this week, I, by the grace of God, I've got up and done my own time with Jesus like I do every morning when I get up. Because that's my faith and obedience to his word. Well, Brother Ray, you don't need to do all that. We prayed three hours a night before you go pray three hours again a night. You don't need to do all that. What's that talking? The prince of religious tradition and his minions. You fulfilled your obligation. You went overboard. You did three whole hours. You're tired. No, I'm not. You don't need to do this. you got other stuff to do. Just sit back and relax if nothing else. Not praying because it's an obligation. Hello? So, oh, Lord, have mercy. If you would have told me last Sunday, if you'd have told me a month ago, there was going to be one of these nights where I was going to talk for an hour plus. I'd have just about told you you were insane. Here we are. Now, with all the stuff going through your brain, if we could get our minds and spirits flowing in one, we're not jumping into anything till we connect and flow. If that's two minutes, 20 minutes, the rest of the time, we're not doing anything Till we connect and flow. We can't do this ourselves. Come on. Without him, we can do nothing. Thank you, Father. I pray that you could feel as earned the witness of the Holy Ghost in your spirit as the Lord talked through to us. I am deeply humbled that he would allow me to be a conduit for the things that he said. Very, very important practical principles for those who want to be involved with the spirit and stay balanced uh, between the word and the spirit, which is our balance and must always be our balance. And now, we will begin immediately with the excerpt from Session 7 of the Call to War Week of Spiritual Warfare. In Jesus' name. But there's some things that need to be said. It's very critical. Um, before we begin to pray and minister in the Spirit. Um, no particular order, and they're not directly, not necessarily correct, connected it. And so there is no particular order except as the Lord brings it to my mind, and I talk about that. He has an order. I'm sure he has a reason for the order, but I, he didn't tell me what it is. So I need to, uh, to talk to you about that. Uh, it is possible. To do warfare by yourself. 
David defeated Goliath by himself. Shamgar and his ox goad defeated, what was it, a thousand by himself. When the Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson, there were times that he uh, would do that. He would, he would fight, he would win by himself. However, in principle, it is always better for at least two people to be praying together. Two are better than one. book says that very clearly. In everything, two, is, two are better than one. So, if we, uh, it, as we continue to pray, uh, Uh, I, I do know the end point for spiritual warfare. If you'd like for me to know anybody, I want the revelation of when you don't need to pray spiritual warfare anymore. Anybody ever heard of the rapture? So I promise you after the rapture, you won't have to pray any more spiritual warfare. Until then, if you'd like to go in the rapture, you're going to have to do what you got to do as the Spirit leads. So often we pray and it doesn't feel like anything is happening. So we get discouraged and quit. That's why I'm so thrilled with the revelation of kingdom praying. We are going to edit the direct references to call to war out of briefings number 5 through 12. And they will become an eight-part series of teachings on kingdom praying. There's about 12 to 14 hours of teaching there. The reason for that is that is what keeps you going. And the principle of kingdom praying is you just... You're building this wall of salvation. That's what the Bible called it. Gates are praise and walls are salvation. We're building this wall of salvation one brick at a time. And only the Lord knows when that last brick is laid and he declares it's finished. And so therefore, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, step by step. All the cliches you want to use that demonstrate the principle that's what's got to be done I will say this to you some days will be more intense than other days and I don't mean intense meaning intention to me the way I define the word in my life intense is simply some days will be focused more focused than others not that my mind is wandering on the other days but it will be more Focused, and there will be a greater flow of anointing. No general fights his troops in the heat of the battle every day. But there's three things the scripture teaches that we do every day we be sober, we watch, we pray every day. And part of doing that is kingdom prayer. And if you will do that, as we've been taught, you'll find that it will make a difference in your life. 
couple of things quickly, please. Now, I've heard of a few little things that's happened today. I don't know anybody that's prayed this week that's dead. I don't know anybody that's prayed this week that is their house is burned down or that they've lost their job or they're about to get divorced after praying all week. I don't know anybody like that. Some of us need to learn the difference between inconveniences and tests. Oh, the devil's fighting me. What's wrong? I got an ingrown toenail. It's really hurting. That's not a test. That's an inconvenience. Did your child lose an arm? No. Well, then you're not at a test. What do you do with tests? Keep going. No, excuse me. What do you do with inconveniences? Just set your face and keep going. Test now, you got to you got to cast that on Jesus. An inconvenience is something you can dismiss and cope with, quote unquote, without really having given a whole lot of thought and prayer to. A test is a is some is a is a care that I've got to cast. I gotta find peace with this. But with an inconvenience, by the grace of God, the peace of God, I'm just, just going on. Another thing very carefully here. There are a few who are just so disappointed that there aren't thousand people, thousands of people outside of the door of their church beating the door down to get baptized. I thought we won victory last night. We really did. The Lord really gave us a major victory last night. But I got, I've got this question for you. Is there anybody in the house or that's listening to me that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and probably sooner than later in the first 24 hours after receiving it You didn't hear some voice in your head say, you just made all that up. They just talked you into something. Why would God allow us to do, allow the devil to do that? Because the devil's stupid. He doesn't realize that God directly and indirectly uses him to accomplish his purpose. Why? Because you've got, you've got to, to, you can't stop believing when the prayer's over. And when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, Paul was talking about where's that fight fought? With the thoughts that come in my mind. Well, I don't feel all that different today. I thought this was about faith, not feeling. It's about faith. It's not about feeling. Oh, let's see. 
We've only been here 18 hours already in pretty focused prayer, many of you. And you were supposed to jump out of bed this morning as if you just had awakened from hibernation. Oh, praise God. That's why we don't walk by, we walk by faith and not by sight. And sight is a sense. So if I could be so bold as to expand it, we walk by faith and not by our senses. We're led of the Spirit. Right. So we exercise our faith. And every time that thought comes, some thought, negative thought comes in my mind, it gives me an opportunity to use the sword of the Spirit, the prophecy, promise of God, as a weapon of warfare. Thank you, Father, for what you did. I believe and I receive it. Here locally, we had two people baptized today. Praise God. I've been getting reports from all over the world of miracles. Miracles. In Singapore, they had three miracles in church. And a, and a girl got Holy Ghost got baptized. I think it was a girl. Uh, a, a young person got the Holy Ghost got baptized in the last 24 hours. The point I'm making to you is this. <laughs> if you think God is not going to allow your faith in all that's happened this week, all he's done, all you've felt and received, you don't think he's going to let that be tested, I don't know what Bible you're reading. And let me tell you something. The good way to just flush all, everything God's done, excuse the graphic nature of this, to flush everything that God has done for you down the toilet is to begin to complain and question a thought. The way you receive, Lord, I know you did it. I know you did it. I believe it. I believe it. Do I believe people are going to get the Holy Ghost tomorrow? Do I believe that? Absolutely. Do I believe people are going to get saved? People are going to get healed. Yes. Let me say this to you, man of God. <laughs> if you got any struggles, you get them worked out before you stand in front of the people of God. Don't you stand up there saying one and one thing in your spirit, projecting another. Oh, God is good. Nothing's happened. I don't like it. What? Oh, Lord, have mercy. That shouldn't have come back at me like that. So, whenever that happens, I'm going to do what I normally do when that happens.
just maybe not quite as directly. <laughs> Brother Billy Cole preached for us quite a bit in the 70s. This one particular night. If you didn't know Brother Cole, if he's laughing, and you laugh with him, you don't know what's, up, what's happening. Because either just before he laughed, or just after he laughed, you were about to get leveled. He stood in our pulpit one night. I'm sitting right behind him, right off his right shoulder. He goes, ha, 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 ha. They say if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. But you got to get Chester right out of the kitchen to save the kitchen. Ha, ha, ha. The whole church laughed. And I'm thinking, did you hear anything funny? What he was really saying was the opposite of what some of you have a problem with. My problem was I was so sure God was going to do it, I'd get in the pulpit with bulldog determination to try to make it happen. That's wrong too. But you don't follow the Spirit by testing to see if the stove is hot. Putting your toe in the water and see if it's comfortable temperature. You either have faith or you don't have faith. You either believe God or you don't. Let's just say, for instance, what if you go to church tomorrow and nothing happens? It's bound, it's, it's hard. I thought. Yeah, that's your problem. You thought. You didn't believe. You thought. I've said it already. I'm going to say it again. Oh, Lord. I haven't even gone 20 minutes yet. Praise God. Uh, We've got to learn that prayer meetings and church services and any kind of spiritual activity that's resisted I don't care how much you've been praying. There comes a point in time, you're going to get the pushback. And God allows it for a test to see what you're going to do, what your faith is. And you're either going to quit because it's too hard, or you're going to push back till it breaks again and breaks again. And breaks again until you don't really have to be all that concerned about. <laughs> oh, I got to rephrase that. Okay. When you keep pushing back and it keeps breaking until you walk in and there's no pushback at all. As long as you understand that what what's happening in this service right now. Is not something you can take for granted, but it's something you maintain through faith and, and dominion and kingdom exercise. 
it will continue to flow and get better. But hear me. When you go in and there's some pushback, God is either ready to take that service to a level you haven't been going, or you've begun to take something for granted. Faith is never passive. Faith is always active. Trust is passive. Faith is active. We have to have both of those. But you can't have victory by trust. You endure all things through trust. You minister through faith. You don't minister by trust. Trust is what keeps you while you minister by faith. You trust God with whatever's going on in your personal life. You trust God with your promises and all of that. You trust God with all of this personal stuff. But when it comes to faith, all of this does not matter. It's faith. And faith is always active. And faith is always aggressive. Faith is always on the attack. Unless, of course, you're willing to be satisfied with just feeling good. And finally, it would be better to never pray anything more than need-based prayer. Just get your sins forgiven. Get your needs met. So you can hang on to the end. Than to get involved with God and his kingdom. Out from under the divine order of authority. Because you hear me right now. I'm talking not just to you. But everybody that may listen to this. I cannot overstate the importance of being submitted to authority. Oh, I'm submitted to authority, Brother Wright. If you can't name me the name of the person that has a right to say no to you and you'll listen, you are not covered by authority. Oh, I have a pastor. Yeah, and what's your attitude when he preaches something you don't like? What's your attitude? Oh, you may go to sit in a building where other people are gathered and call it church. You may sit there and endure what the preacher says. But if your attitude is that, Lord, I receive what your spirit word is saying to me. Yes, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to hear this, receive this. By your grace, I'm going to do this. You are not submitted That means if you, okay, I just turned all that off. Not hearing that. That's between you and Jesus. That's your problem. Justify it all you want. That's, you're the one that's going to get hurt. 
because you're lying to yourself. You're submitted. You know that. I know that. But you're trying to tell yourself it's not. That's not true. I'm submitted. Yeah, right. So I'm not going there. You're not getting me off on that. Submission is for protection. No man of God wants to run somebody else's life. Are you kidding me? Nobody in their right mind wants to run somebody else's life. That's not what this is about. It's a covering of authority for protection. And if you're submitted, then you can receive an impartation of authority for you to use and for the Lord to use in and through your life. So you can be a part of his kingdom. (laughs) Most amazing thing. I graduated from the Naval Academy at 22 years of age. I got a gold bar on my shoulder board. Or on my uniform. Gold stripe on my shoulder board. A gold bar on my uniform. You go on board ship. And there are chief petty officers, some of them very senior. Some have been in the Navy 20-plus years. And he salutes you and calls you sir. You're 22. You don't even have your snot wiped up yet from graduating. And he's got more sea stories than you could ever hear if you sat with him for days and weeks. But he calls you sir. He's not addressing the person. He's addressing the office and the authority. And some of y'all can't. And I'm not saying some of y'all just the people in this house. Some of y'all can't get past the personality of the one wearing the stripe. I don't have to listen to him. You're right. But until God removes the stripe, you're listening to God or not listening to God. Let me tell you something. There is one being in this entire world besides the Lord Jesus Christ who believes in authority. Nobody gives more credence to authority than this one being other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Gabriel and Michael, I don't know. And he respects and listens to nobody except people with authority. And if you're not under authority, you don't have authority. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and when you learn to listen to the authority and when that person with authority knows that they have authority it's not theirs they don't take ownership of it and so they talk kindly to you expecting you to recognize they're treating you with respect without giving you do this now
It's kind of difficult. Now, praise God. One last thing. I think I said one th- last thing, but I forgot about it. Call to War Video Briefing number 14. It'll be available a week from today at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is very critical because in Jesus' name, you're not going to say, well, we got that done. Well, we finished our fast. Let's go to the buffet. We finished our prayer meeting. Let's go see what we can find on the internet. Interesting. Wasn't that a great church service tonight? Let's go find some place and talk about people. Did you see what so-and-so is wearing tonight? Did you feel what I felt coming off so-and-so? I'll tell you something right now. I beg of you, in Jesus' name, I beg of you to understand the, the war, World War. You want to know about World War Three? It doesn't involve nations. It involves kingdoms, two of them. And it sure feels like to me that if it what didn't start this week, it's been renewed this week. And this warfare isn't going to quit until the Lord takes us out of here. Does that mean you're doing intercessory warfare or travail every day? No. But you're praying kingdom prayer every day. And you're presenting yourself to the Spirit however He wants to use you every day. I didn't sign up for that. No problem. If you would have listened to all 13 of the briefings, you would understand why they were done. Was to try to talk, either help you participate if you were going to, or talk you out of participate, participating. So you didn't get started with something you were going to decide to back off from. All the promises of God for protection only apply to those who are on the offensive. The armor of God protects those on the attack. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The implication there is, you're on the attack. Nothing's going to hurt you. Now, that appeal is to you about yourself, your family, your church. But more importantly, there's almost seven and a half billion people in this world. And if tomorrow one million people got the Holy Ghost, 
across this world, apostolic churches. If that caused you to go, wow, wasn't that great? Whew. Oh, we can go on vacation now. Look at what happened. Wow, wasn't that great? Mm. That would, the purpose of that would be to pour fuel on your fire. Not water on your flame so that you can kick back and relax because of what happened. Why? Because this isn't about building crowds, building churches. This is about preaching the gospel to every creature and praying and eliminating every obstacle. And for that to be the case, you have got to pray to, to have received the revelation and move into the place that you've transitioned from need-based praying to kingdom praying so that you can stay focused. Because if you're still praying need-based prayers and just getting a little bit involved in this this week, you're ready to go to, back to need-based praying? There will always be enough needs for you to pray for to justify yourself as praying so that you don't have to involve yourself in the kingdom. If God never answered another prayer for your needs as after tonight, what? would be your response. Now, I don't mean he didn't supply something for you to eat. Promised to do that. Something to wear. He promised to do that. Something to put on. But all that stuff you think you need that's really a want, if God never gave you another thing whatsoever, Never did another thing for you personally that you might like. Never gave you another addition. What would be your response to that? Would it diminish your faith in God? Your relationship with the Lord? Your focus on being a part of Him? That's a legitimate question, folks. Now we're going to pray. And God's going to do some wonderful things here tonight. But ultimately, what I'm talking about isn't for tonight. Have you figured that out? I haven't said anything so far that's about tonight. Every bit of this is about tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And all the days, weeks, months, years to the rapture. Brothers, sisters, friends, I pray that what you have heard today in this video briefing, even if you heard it originally in the sessions as you prayed along with us, that as these things were taken out of that setting and made available to you, 
to just listen to those things that the Spirit was saying to us. I pray that you have heard what the Spirit is saying unto the church. I pray that you've heard that. In your spirit, I pray that there has been a witness of the Holy Ghost to let you know that this is not something man has come up with, man has produced, but that God himself has spoken to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you receive the grace, mercy, and peace from the Father, even our Lord Jesus Christ. That you would be able to uh, receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may hear these things, and that these things may become a part of your spirit, a part of your mind, and a part of your ministry, especially, first and foremost, your ministry of prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that any child of God could be involved in, including preachers who are first and foremost supposed to be children of God. Prayer is our first ministry. It is our first ministerial priority. Whether we are uh, men of God or the saints of the living God, it is and must be our first priority. Prayer will accomplish things in the Spirit that we can never accomplish simply by preaching or teaching. The spoken word has obvious limitations to it. Somehow we have to hear that word preached. But prayer can instantly affect things no matter where it is in the entire world. We need to pray. We really need to pray. Whatever country you're in, who, whatever your circumstances are listening to this briefing, I pray that these things have been and will continue to be a blessing for you. Will there be a video briefing for 15? <laughs> if what I'm feeling in my spirit right now is the case, there will be. The Lord has additional things to say to help us continue to stay focused and continue to war and win this war. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that Jesus has and is building. In Jesus' name, God bless you.